God, for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, open up our hearts that we may see the order of Melchizedek lived out in our own lives, that we may be faithful in what we are being called to do in the lives that we have been given. Lord, let us know that it is not by happen chance or chaos, but it is your divine order that has made all things anew in the kingdom. Lord, let us claim this newness of life and all that we do, that we may choose the path that is the better way, the way of salvation. And Lord, let us know that this path, it has sacrifice, ones we must uh, live our lives for and be able and be willing to give our lives for. Lord, let us be a people so designated by your grace. In Jesus' holy, sweet name we pray. Amen. Amen. It, it is one of the parts of ministry. When you enter ministry, you, you have to go before a lot of boards of ordained ministry and write papers and things like that. And part of the whole process is describing the call. Uh, I've shared with you my call before, but I'll, I'll somewhat refresh your memory if you do not remember the story. Um, I'm the youngest child. I understand my grandfather was a missionary Baptist preacher. My father, of course, a Methodist preacher, called on the battlefield of Korea into ministry, came back and went to Lewisburg College where I was born. And here in my life, I grew up as a son of the church. From the very beginning of my memories, I remember being in the church, sitting in the pew, listening to my father preach and being a part of the worship and the youth and the Sunday school and all the wonderful things church has to offer. I always knew God had something special for me and planned and stored and certainly my relationship with Leona who was a childhood friend. I remember her as the neighbor of my grandparents down a dirt road and we played together. We square danced in the dirt road together and little did I know she already had plans on me to be her husband. She had already selected me for that, and, uh, and certainly what a privilege that has been. But God also had his hand on me, and she knew that. She even told me after we were married, she always knew she would marry a preacher. And I was not a preacher at the time, and that scared me really bad. Um, but one day, my father, he invited me to speak at a church called Arapahoe on the coast of North Carolina over in Pamlico County. Um, and I went to the church, and I had a sermon prepared, and uh, I thought I could handle that, and when I got up in the pulpit, God got a hold of me, I laid aside the sermon, and I basically preached my call. I was called in the pulpit to be a preacher. Even though I come from a tribe of Aaron and preacher upon preacher, still God, he particularly called me, and I knew he did, because he placed it upon my heart that I had been selected for this great cause. That is part of our call as, well, the priesthood of all believers, the laity of the church. Each one of us are laity in that same sense that we each have a call by God. That call is particular to different things. For mine, it is the order of sacrament, and it's the order, as you know, with communion and baptism. It's the order of administration and the order of fellowship and mission and grace and teaching and leading. But each and every one here today, in some way, God is calling you, and you are a part of this holy tribe, this priesthood of all believers. So in the scripture, the writer of Hebrews is making it clear that the high priest is selected, 
and appointed to represent uh, the people and here in relationship to God to offer gifts and sacrifice for sin. This idea of selection is very important. It means that God has loved us before we have known him. God has reached out to us before we have even taken a step towards him. His provenient grace is leading us. And as I examined my call, I realized God had been working in my life, my whole life, for me to accept what he had in store for me as a servant of the gospel, a servant of the word. Now, that word's led me a lot of places. I mean, that selection's led me to be in many places, from the Outer Banks of North Carolina to the mountains of North Carolina to all the nation preaching and teaching across this great land. Little did I know that God had set me aside to do all these things, and now here God has set me aside to be here in Mamers, to be here at Spring Hill, to come and to serve. And I came in... um, Uh, uh, somewhat humbly and meekly. I came in with no agenda. I was listening to God because I'm at a stage of my life that um, uh, it's a whole different stage. In every other stage, I had a grandfather who I could call upon or a father who I could call upon in the ministry. But now I'm like the senior one. I'm, I'm the only one left of that group except me and my brother and our generation. So here we are carrying on a tradition of having been selected to do something God would have us do. And I didn't just come here by God's choice to just do whatever. God had particular things in mind that he wants to be done in the service that we have together. We have challenges ahead of us. Our selection is for a purpose, and that purpose is to fulfill the will of God. It's not just to to fill the pulpit or to preach a sermon, but it's to lead the children to the gospel. I celebrate our young people, all these young males especially, and our beautiful young daughters, and they come forward and they're learning about Jesus in our Sunday school. We are a part of something special. This church has taught for generations because of this selection, and you are a part of this call here at Spring Hill. So this selection, God intends for us to have so that we can help people who are going astray to come to Christ. But how do we do that? How do we live our Christian faith in a century that puts its stock in all the wrong things? This week, there will be an epic, a historical lottery drawn here in America. And someone will win. Don't ask me to give you numbers. Uh, But my football number was 67 in case you want at least a pair of the numbers. That was my number. But do not count on that as the odds of getting struck by lightning are actually better than this. But across this land, people will put their stock into something that basically is, is, is no guarantee at all, though somebody will win. What will happen is that we will run around as a nation and think somehow everything's been won because we place so much faith in material things instead of knowing we're serving the God who is the richest of all. He has all the wealth, all the glory, all the grace. In fact, his wealth is so great, even gold, which is the standard of wealth upon here, is what is lining the streets in the kingdom he has made. So we need to understand that we already are rich in grace. We already are rich in faith. And God has given us this because he has selected us. And we are a people who need to be forgiven. 
And how do we forgive? We forgive by giving the grace of Jesus Christ to others. We were up at Duke this past week, and I was thinking about the new president of Duke. His name is Greg Jones, and he's written this book on forgiveness and how it's a very thick book, and he talks about all the biblical references to how we need to be a people of forgiveness. The truth is forgiveness is the call of this land. We need to find a way to forgive, forgive ourselves, forgive each other, and even forgive those who do us wrong. For there are many out there who are sinning and evil, and we ourselves even stumble at times. We are subject, it says here, to weakness. So the way we are selected is not just the selection of receiving the reward, but also a selection of knowing the meaning of sacrifice. And the truth is, what pays the bills is the daily grind of living. What really makes the difference is the prayers that we offer. What really changes our lives is how we see our lives and understand that each and every day God calls upon us to sacrifice. Now, what does it mean to sacrifice? Well, we in this world that we live in, we don't understand sacrifice like the old time did in the Old Testament. For they would take their very goods and their wares and they would bring them and they would offer them through the priest as sacrifice to atone for the sins. In fact, they had a day of atonement in the Old Testament where all the sins were forgiven and their lives were reset before God. In other words, God is looking at us for who we are in his love instead of who we are in his judgment. And I can tell you right now, God is looking very harshly upon our land and upon our people for looking in all the wrong places for salvation. I can tell you, we are not a long-lived species. We do not live very long. The truth is life passes by way too fast. When you're young, you measure things in years, but when you get older, you measure things in decades. And you realize that time is passing by and you think about your life and you think about there's more days behind you than probably are going to be ahead of you. And you start to see the true value of what living is and we try to pass that to our children, but our children do not see it yet because they think it is somehow eternal, but it is not. This sacrifice God calls us to realize is that we must give up the little to gain the lot. We must give up the minute to gain the eternal. In other words, we must be willing to give up the thing that we can hold in our hand for the thing that we can hold in our heart. Sacrifice is a part of living. The true heroes of our land, indeed, they have sacrificed so much. I read the story about the police and some of the hurricane ravaged areas and their own homes had been destroyed, yet these policemen and women served even while their homes had been destroyed. They served hour upon hour, even knowing that their own place was gone. See, sacrifice is an everyday thing. Every morning, one of our God-loving teachers gets up before the break of day on a foggy morning and takes off to that school to embrace those loving children. Amen. It's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. Every single day that uh, where the meal is cooked and provided, and the home is made ready, and love is shown, it is a sacrifice. Every day that we go out and we work, and we make ends meet, and we travel, 
and we do what God would have us do to provide, it is a sacrifice. See, the sacrifice is talking about here is the sacrifice of relationship that God expects us to be willing, <laughs> willing. Um, here's what we'll do. If you win the lottery and I win the lottery, we'll split it. It says, okay, yeah, we're going to do that. See, see, that's the way the world works. See, they, they call that sacrifice. That's, that's not sacrifice because we don't have the lottery. We don't have that. Now, if we had that and we split it, that may be sacrifice, but we don't have that. See, sacrifice isn't some idea that somehow we can make things better by something we don't have. Sacrifice is taking what you have and sharing it. Now, when I went to Methodist College, I had a roommate to start off with. His name was Neil McNeil. And Neil McNeil, fine young man. He's a scientist now. He works with Menhaven, Fish of the Sea works over in Moorhead City. He's a fine, well, he's not young anymore. He's some my age, actually a little bit older. But the thing with Neil is that we would go get pizza. Neil loved pizza, and I loved to eat Neil's pizza. And my job was when he would get the pizza and come to the dorm room, my job was to take the towels and stuff underneath the door so nobody could smell the pizza. Because I guarantee you, uh, some of those, uh, you know, brothers and ones that loved us, they claim, would come knock on the door. You got pizza? You got pizza? No, we got no pizza here. There's no pizza in this room. And Neil's eating. I say, Neil, eat faster, man. They're going to break the door down. And a lot of those uh, folks have become preachers since then. I often wondered if the lack of pizza led to that. But the fact is is that we live in a world that doesn't understand the nature of sacrifice. Sacrifice is when we work, and then God takes what we work for, and he uses it for the greater good of the kingdom. Children often do not know the sacrifice that a parent makes when they go to college and they go off in life. See, this is why we have to offer sacrifice, not only for their sins, but for our sins, so that they will know the grace of God. And what does this lead us to? This idea of being selected by God, and now that we are making the sacrifice God is calling us to make, what does that lead us to? That leads us to salvation, of being saved, of the process of saving, how God is calling us from here to there. And it says here, but God said to Jesus, you are my son today, I become your father, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And this is an Old Testament mysterious figure. He was a priest in Salem, which is Jerusalem. And this priest uh, was able to give uh, not only with the water and the wine and the bread, but his priest represents the holy order of those who have this access to God. And Sam's family, as a Hannah's boyfriend, uh, the other day, uh, Sam's uncle, he passed away. His name was Tom. Tom lived in the mountains of North Carolina. Tom um, had worked with some horses that had won with a Kentucky Derby. He was a horse trainer. Well, a few days before this, I woke up that morning and I told Leona that I had a, I had a dream 
And in the dream, uh, Sam's father was at a, he was at a cafe table and he was weeping and I was preaching about life and the meaning of life and the importance of life. And I noticed he was weeping in this dream. And I woke up and I told Leona that Sam's father in the dream was weeping. And then here, a few days later, his brother passes away. This has happened to me my whole ministry. You have to realize that God has spoke to me in ways that, that only can be because he has selected me. And the reason he has selected me, not I'm special, but I'm a vessel to share the gospel. Understand you have this same order within you. God is speaking to each one of us. You just need to start seeing the hand of God at work more in your own lives. And know how precious it is that God is opening up the door for you to be able to reach out to other people and help them in their times of need and their times of trouble. It's just one of those things. It's happened so many times before. Early in ministry, we were going to get ice cream over in little towns of Candor. And Leona and me, this is before the children were born, and we're starting to go over to Candor down just the windblow road. And suddenly I get this feeling, something is telling me it's not right. And I say to Leona, we have to go to Pleasant Hill. Something's not right. And she said, what's the matter? And I said, I don't know, but something's not right. And we drove like five miles out of the way to get over to Pleasant Hill and everything looked fine when we drove up in the yard. And then I got out and I ran to the church door and opened the door and smoke poured out. The church had been set on fire. They caught the young man who did it. In fact, when they investigated, they wanted to know, how did you know, preacher? I was number one on their suspect list until they caught the young boy and he admitted he did it because they couldn't believe that God told me something was going on. So I don't see it as an exception. I see it as the rule. I listen for God in my life. I listen for the order of God to tell me. That doesn't mean uh, it's always right. Believe me, God isn't going to give me five sets of numbers to win this week. I don't do that. Lord, please tell me the numbers. I'm your loving son. Because if you try to find those numbers, you'll start seeing numbers everywhere. And pretty soon you'll lose sight of God. You'll get addicted to something that somehow you think is greater than his kingdom. And nothing is greater than his kingdom. If you're not the richest person on earth right now in your heart, in your soul, then your relationship is not right with the Lord. It should be that every day you wake up and you're grateful even when it's hard, even when it's bad, even when it's sad, even when the storms come, no matter what may happen, that you can say, God be with me who can be against me. See, that's what it means to be a priest forever in the order of Mechizedek, that we look on each and every day as the grace of God. And during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. So this sacrifice requires that we seek out the salvation. So what do we do? We answer this call. We answer this clear call from God. God is telling us to do what God would have us do. God is doing something great at Spring Hill. Now, do not join any camp that says it's not. 
Because the truth is something special is happening here. And what is happening is the Spirit is moving upon us, the remnant of the church. And we are the remnant of the church. In the days to come, less and less people will come, and the ones that come will be the holy remnant. And we are given this special call by God that we be obedient, and we go through this time seeking out eternal salvation. And we offer it to our children and teach them to trust and obey, as it says here in the Scripture. And when we do that, we're following this pattern of being the people who are called into salvation's process. So... I want you to win this week. Now, if you do win, and I'm not saying play because that's not right. Don't do that. No, 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 no. But if you do win, I want your second call to be to me. Not to me, the first call. But call me. And by the way, it'll be about a billion dollars, so you're going to owe me, this church, a hundred million, by the way. I've already figured out the math. Because if you don't call me, I will be calling you. I'll come knock on your door. I'll find you. Because God will not have it that you win such a thing that his kingdom is not blessed. And by the way, what I would depend on more is your service, your faithfulness, your gifts, your giving, and your love. For those are things I know you do have. <laughs> and those are things that we need more of. Let us pray. Dear Lord, open up our hearts that we may grow in grace and understand the true value of life is in the grace that you give and the forgiveness that you have given to us. Lord, let us be so willing to serve others and to give that we may serve in this order of Mechizedek and be a people who are set apart for the holy work of the kingdom. And Lord, let us know that you have selected us for a greater purpose. And whatever we ask in the name of Jesus, in Jesus' holy, sweet name we pray. Amen. Our final hymn is page number 154, not 155, 154, all hail the power of Jesus' name.